Jersey. You're listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show from CITR F102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And who do we have in the studio right now? Well, hi, Nardwar. I'm Doug Sardi from the Georgia Strait. Welcome, Doug, to the Nardwar, the human <laughs> serviette radio show. Well, who are you? Who are you, Doug? Who are you, really? Well, I'm a I'm a writer, and uh, I've I've been with the Georgia Strait about about 13 years, and along with with Dan McLeod, the the founder and publisher of the Georgia Strait, uh, we put together a book 
uh, to celebrate the Straits' 50th anniversary. And you've brought copies of the book along today. I, I have indeed. For a later giveaway. Yes. It's a very thick yes, book, sir. isn't it? It is. It's sturdy. It's a sturdy book. How many pages is it? Uh, 300 pages. 40 bucks, too. Yeah. Uh, not a uh, small amount. It's no. It's uh, really worthwhile, isn't it, it? It is worth every penny. Well, <laughs> I see it's worthwhile because it is worthwhile. Well, how many years of the straights are in here? 50 years. 50 years. Yes. <laughs> and it's not sort of like, it's the second book about the Georgia Strait, isn't it? Because there yes. was a book previously about the Strait. Yes, that's right. There, there was one uh, that came out in 1997, um, and it was called The Georgia Strait, uh, What the Hell Happened by, by Naomi Pauls. And um, it sort of, it did a lot of uh, excerpts and, and uh, gave sort of a, a written history of the Strait. What we were trying to do here is is have a visual uh, history do a collection of covers, and that's that's the way it's it very visual. Out. Hence the forty bucks. Yes, because <laughs> there's lots of pictures. Because a lot of books nowadays don't have a lot of pictures, but this no. is filled with pictures and covers. It, it is, and you know the idea was originally was just to have. Uh, you know, a collection of covers, but like with anything, there's this mission creep, and we started to figure out, well, let's, uh, you know, let's tell a little bit about what's happening at, in Vancouver at the time and in the counterculture, tell a bit about the cover, and before you know it, we have big write-ups for all the covers, so there's a lot of info in there. And speaking of covers, we began the Nardwar show with the stags from the Live from the Grooveyard LP with Out of Our Tree, a cover of The Whalers, and the stags were on this Live from the Grooveyard LP from 1966, released in 67, and that's kind of when the Georgia Strait started in 67. That's right, May 1967, so it's a, it's a period correct piece of music. Now you, Doug, you were a mod. You were into scooters, weren't I, you? I was, yes. And what <laughs> what can you say about scooters? All the different scooter clubs. The mainland scooter club. The absolute beginner's scooter club. <laughs> the Royal Westminster, where actually the Grooveyard was in New Westminster. Yes. The Royal Westminster Scooter Club. The Saints, Upstreet racers what about those clubs well it, it, you know it was a fantastic time in in vancouver's history it was sort of after uh, quadrophenia came out in uh, in 1979 um uh a lot of kids from vancouver started getting into the mod scene it was sort of uh um it was like a very well-dressed um outcropping of the punk movement there was a lot of crossover and, um, you know, at first it was about fashions, but then as, as people got more and more into it, we, we, we all started getting Vespas and Lambrettas and, and uh, buying into the whole thing. Um, I was in the Absolute Beginners Scooter Club, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good time. And I know, um, I think you went to Hillside with, with Grant Lawrence and the, the Smugglers, didn't you? Yes, and I know and, Mike Sexsmith. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he loves scooters. Yes, yeah, Do you still keep up with the scooter gang? Uh, no, I, I don't. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember him from oh, oh, way yeah, back sure. when? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I know Mike, and uh, um, I actually still have a, an old Vespa. I don't don't ride it that much very often anymore, though. Mike is famous because he has the actual Vespa that was encased, I think, in like plaster at Expo '86. Oh, right from the highway. The highway, uh, yes, highway '86. Yeah. Mike <laughs> bought that actual Vespa and drove it around town and yeah. restored it. That is yeah. amazing, isn't it? It is. It is like thousands, amazing. millions of people sat on a Vespa. Uh, yeah, and he bought it. And you just chip off the the cement and, and get her going. At 
the auction, <laughs> and the Expo auction also had at UBC. UBC, the Pit Pub, bought a whole bunch of fries from Expo 86. Oh. Do you remember pit, the Pit Pub at UBC? Oh, I used to have the, the Mexi Burger special every day, just about. Well, if you had any <laughs> fries between 86 and 89, yeah. they were bought from an Expo auction. Because sure Expo did. had some <laughs> extra fries. Yeah. So some amazing stuff that you could get a handle on from Expo 86. But I was curious, were you into the same mod bands that Mike was into, like, you know, the Times 4 on the go. Were there any mod bands? What did you see? Did you buy any mod fanzines? Did oh. you pick up the straight? Was the straight <laughs> considered mod? I always picked up the straight. It, it wasn't technically mod, but it covered mod stuff. There was, uh, you know, when, when mod bands would come to town. Times 4 and, and I think Face Value, you mentioned they were local bands. Uh, so there was, you know, there was a, a good mod music scene. There was uh, the French Letters were also sort of mod. Um, there's a lot of stuff around that time. But then I know you just interviewed Paul Weller and, and um, you know, the jam was was, was huge. Um, were you at that gig in 82? I was not. You know what? I went to the Clash gig like a couple of weeks before and then missed the jam thing. But How did you get into it? Was it via Quadrophenia? Well, I'd seen Quadrophenia. I was interested by the whole thing. But then there was a um, uh, a kid at my school who was English. He'd transferred here, uh, just moved here from England. He was a mod. I started hanging around with him. And, uh, you know, it sort of went on from there. Uh, w- did you pick up any mod fanzines? Were there any mod fanzines in the Northwest leading into the Georgia there Strait? Was, there, was, there, was a, there were a couple. There was one from Seattle called Wham!, and that was before the band, and then there was there was uh, there was one in Vancouver uh, which I can't remember the name of now, but um, you know it was the the old school Xerox and Letraset kind of thing. Did you ever think about writing for them? How do you get into writing? Because you were part of the Georgia Strait. And again, we are here on the Nardwar the Human <laughs> Serviette radio show with Doug Sardi, author of a book about the Georgia Strait. Fifth, what is the book officially called? It's called The Georgia Strait, A 50th Anniversary Celebration. And uh, it's by uh, uh, Dan, Dan McLeod, the, the, the founder and, and publisher of The Strait, and I wrote it together. And then we also, uh, we enlisted the help of some people to write um, um, introductions to the various chapters. The main introduction is written by Bob Geldof of the Boomtown Rats, Sir Bob, who uh, uh, actually was a straight staffer for a number of years in the early 70s. Turn off your mind. Relax and float downstream. That's who you wrote in my copy of the book. What does that mean? Turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. Well, it's from the Beatles song, Tomorrow Never Knows, an uh, early uh, um, oh, damn. example of it shows psychedelia. Why, it shows why I began with the whalers doing Out of Our Tree and not the Beatles doing Tomorrow Never Knows. Thank you. <laughs> Boom. Um, and also, Dan has a signature, too. Yes, yes, yes. He he always writes, what a long, strange trip. It's a, a reference to the uh, uh, the Grateful Dead. And we have a caller right now. Hello, caller. Are you there? Hello, caller. Yes. Nardwar? Yes, go ahead. Yes. Could, could, could I, could you enter me in the contest? We, um, can this person win? We haven't even given away the book yet. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, yeah, it sounds like a nice guy. Um, do you have any questions at all yes. for Dan? What, 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 Doug. What, what happened to, who invented, 
what happened to Mr. Baldnuts? You know, uh, he was advertising with us. A bit of background <laughs> on that thing. I was so flummoxed by the caller <laughs> just wanting the free book. That is amazing. Thank you, caller, that I called Doug Dan. But Doug Sardi is here. So give me a bit of background, Doug. Well, Mr. Baldnuts was a, a long, long-time advertiser in our classified section, and he offered a personal shaving service for men. And um, it's... Uh, um, he was actually mentioned by David Duchovny in an interview. Um, I forget. It was maybe Tonight Show or something, and, and David Duchovny was talking about being in Vancouver and uh, uh, reading the Georgia Strait and uh, brought up this uh, Mr. Baldnuts ad. So maybe he, maybe he used his services. I'm not sure. Now, why should the people, Dan, now why, Doug, now why should the people care about David Duchovny? Why should the people care? Well, I'm not sure they do. It was just a, an amusing anecdote to show the reach of, so to speak, of Mr. Baldnuts. Well, thank you for. I do. I do. Thank you very much, caller, and do do loo do. Caller, do do loo do. And actually, if he could call her, phone back at the end of the show, and we will give you a record <laughs> and also a book. Okay. Do do loo do, and that was again a caller, a caller for Doug Sarti, a writer from the Georgia Street. So as I was saying, Doug, how did you transition from being a mod to being a writer to writing for the Street? Well, um, I didn't start at the Street as as a writer. I, I started in the production department. Um, you know, I would do do layout, um, do a get the the general layout of the the paper each week, which is something I actually still do. And then um, the very first thing I ever wrote um, was was about uh, uh, was a travel piece about seeing a space shuttle launch, which I did. So I write this thing up and and you know spend all this time on it. Hand it wasn't it. the space shuttle launch, was it? No, no. But <laughs> I I handed it in. Because uh, if he wrote about the space shuttle <laughs> la launch, it would have been very cutting edge. Yes, I uh, I handed it in on a Friday night to to uh, our then editor Beverly Sinclair, and the next morning, uh, the the Challenger exploded on reentry. Oh, it and, did. Uh, yes, and uh, I was kind of making a joke, <laughs> but so my time. Well, I, I didn't see that launch. The launch was was earlier, and then I, I just wrote about my timing was awful. So she said, well. Um, you know, let's hold off on this one. But, uh, you know, I like what you wrote, and the Vespa is is coming back on the market in North America, so can you write an article about that with your mod background? So I'm like, okay, and then, you know, then it took off from there. And again, you are Doug Sardi, author of the Georgia Strait book. What is the official <laughs> name for the Georgia Strait book? The official... Because it's not on there, really. The, it's... it's it, yeah, it, it's the Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration. It's on there on the cover. We, we have a great psychedelic it doesn't cover say, ah. by uh, it doesn't say, Bob, ah. Bob Massey. He didn't say, ah, celebration. 
Oh, it's oh, a tiny. It's a psychedelic. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. ah, 50th See? anniversary. And this is why you need to turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. David Spanner has said, do you know David oh, Spanner? Know, I've known David Spanner for many years. He has said that perhaps Vancouver had the number three or number two hippie kingdom in all of <laughs> Canada. And because of that, it led to the punk explosion. And we had like the number three or four punk scene in North America yeah. after London and New York. They were kind of like a tie, right? London, New York, and yeah. then Los Angeles, and then Vancouver. It was kind of like a tie. So Vancouver was like three or four or whatever. But right. he was saying the whole reason was because Vancouver was like number two in the yippie movement or yes. number three. How was the yippie movement integral to the Georgia Strait? Like, what about Spanner's theory of like the hippies were, you know, in San Francisco but number two in Vancouver? Yeah. Well, I think I think there's, there's a lot of truth for that to that and i think the the yippies were um you know they had a lot more of a sense of humor about everything than than sort of your typical hippies and i mean i think that sort of sense of humor sense of fun it drove a lot of that stuff it drove a lot of and, and of course being politically aware but uh, there's a definite link between i think the the late remnants of the hippie, hippie movement and the beginning of the punk movement it attracted this the same type of people i i think and was Dan a yippie? No, I, I, I don't believe so, no. <laughs> when Dan started the Georgia Strait, who were the early Vancouver newspapers or fanzines on the scene? I know there was that one, Poppin. There was a magazine called Poppin. What were the early Vancouver newspapers? Who was the competition what, before the Strait started up? Well, the reason that the, the Strait really got started, be, because the, the press industry in Vancouver was, was pretty much controlled by the province and the sun. And I mean, it was very sort of white bread, waspy, old money. Um, and you know, in the 60s, things were starting to change as the counterculture um, started to take hold and, and more and more people were, were, were getting involved in it. There was no outlet, there was no free speech, um, you know, cer certainly from the counterculture or, or the youth movement. And so that was one of the, um, the main goals of starting the straight is to give people a voice. Now, that wasn't, you know, run through, um, you know, the, the, the sort of this monolithic uh, uh, old school press. There weren't any fanzines out there. I, I'm there. There were probably some. I'm I'm not aware of them, though. But you know, there were there were probably you know some some small batch, kind of uh, ki kind of things. But uh, I, I I can't say for sure. What did the Georgia Strait smell like? Well, when it when it was new, it, it smelled like fresh newsprint and and uh, beautiful ink. Um, I can tell you, after spending six months in the archives, when it's old, it smells musty. But as a child, how did it smell? Oh. The offices. Oh, well, the, the <laughs> there were a lot of interesting smells in the offices, many of which, as a child, I did not rec recognize. Caller, are you there? Hello, caller. If anybody has any phone calls they would like to make to the Georgia Strait and Doug Sardi, 604-822-CITR, 604-822-2487 is the number. I was curious also, in the early days of the Strait, People were arrested. Like, people were arrested yes. for handing out a newspaper. Fight hippie filth. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, I mean, it, it's hard now. Um, 
you know, in our modern world to, to realize what a big deal this was. And, you know, like I was saying earlier about the, the, the Sun and the province, you had these mainstream papers. There was no voice of the counterculture. So when the Straits started publishing this stuff, it really rocked a lot of people's boats. It was, it was, was that just a perception of people? Was it really filthy or not? Like, was it really filthy? Well, was the Georgia Strait in early <laughs> days, Doug Sardi, really filthy? Or was it the perception of the province reader that it was filthy? I, I think for the times, it, it, was, it was probably pretty shocking. Going back and, and looking through all these old issues, you know, some, some of the stuff that would be considered filthy seem, seems maybe a little quaint now. But, uh, but at the time, certainly, I'm sure, you know, people, people a number of people... Um, saw it as filthy, and there was a lot of fight. Uh, Mayor Tom Campbell fought the straight every chance he could get. They tried to pull business licenses. They um, uh, they tried to shut down the office. They would try to um, uh, cajole printers into not not printing the paper. Like sort of on every level of making the paper, there was resistance from the establishment, and quite often that led to to people being jailed or arrested. And how many copies were made? You said like 5,000 of the first run. How many now? How many have been made? Well, we've had over, over 2,500 issues. Um, I don't know. the Now our, our distribution, I think, is about 100,000. Um, so, you know. 5,000 from the first run. Yes. How did you distribute those 5,000? They they were sold by uh, by hawkers on the on the street corner. And you're mentioning Rafi was one of them. Rafi Rafi was 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 a hawker, yes. And so he would come in, and apparently he he was the most uh, um, honest uh, uh, hawker ever. He would come in and he would leave his wallet as collateral, take the take the papers out, sell them, come back. Uh, the, the the street sellers would get a, a, a cut of the profit, and then the the rest would go to the paper to make new issues and. Uh, um, so yeah, he he was one of our guys. And everybody kind of felt like the Strait was theirs. What yeah. was like the women's liberation of the Georgia Strait all about? They felt it was theirs, didn't they? Well, the, there there was an issue where where they took took it back. They were offended by a a, a cover. A, a number of of women who worked on the staff were were offended by a cover image, uh, which which they felt objectified women. And they, they staged a, a sit-in, a takeover of the office, and they, and they printed a, a, a women's liberation issue of it. And then after that— But they actually took over the office, yes. which is amazing. Like, they went down to the Georgia Street and said, let us in here! Yeah. Well, it was the, it was the 60s. You know, people were, were taking over school administration offices, uh, taking over federal buildings and, and, and things like that. It was, uh, um, you know, it was what you did. Caller, are you there? Hello, yeah. ca- hello, caller. Go ahead. Bob Geldof ruined. Uh, uh, sorry, caller. You are barely audible. Bob Geldof ruined Christmas. And toot toot loot <laughs> Um, I think that was the same caller that phoned <laughs> earlier. Did Bob Bob Geldof really ruin Christmas? 
No, I don't. I don't think so. We still we still have it every day. And, and you know, Donald Trump says he's bringing Christmas. Did back, he care so. about local bands? Like, was it hard to get a hold of Bob Geldof to write the intro for? And again, we're speaking to Doug Sardi, author of The Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration, a big, thick book. Was it hard to get a hold of Geldof? Like you have bragged for years about <laughs> Geldof writing for the Strait. When it finally came down to it, was it hard to get yeah. him to write something? I, I have to say no no it was not the uh, that was this was one thing that the probably the most amazing thing writing the book um, you know there's all the hard work that we did but it really made me realize how much goodwill there is towards the Georgia Strait um, when you see how willing people are to help now now uh, Dan McLeod my co-author um, he's he and and, and Bob Geldof are, are still friendly and they've they've kept in touch so. So he called him up, and, and right away, um, uh, Bob Geldof said, "Sure, I'd, I'd love to do it." And he wrote us a great introduction. And then it was it was similar thing with uh, um, I contacted Paul Watson, Biff Naked, and Mike Mike Harcourt. And so you know these are just sort of cold calls. You know, do you want to write for a book? And they all got back to me immediately, and they're like, "I'd love to." And it was it was really really sort of heartwarming to see how how much. How, how strongly people felt about the paper. Bob loved the straight, but did Bob love Vancouver? Did he ever support <laughs> Vancouver bands? I'm, well, I'm sure he did. He was he was the the music and entertainment editor. But later on in life, um, I'm not sure if he did. <laughs> like there was not a Bob Geldof Memorial Wing at the University of British Columbia or the library, etc. No, yeah, you were no, no. lucky to get Bob's love. <laughs> The yes. straight is lucky to get Bob's yes. love. What was Bob like back in the day when he was reviewing, like, Little Richard at Besitas? <laughs> that is amazing on East Hastings. Yeah, Can yeah. you explain that? What I was know. he like back then? Well, un- unfortunately, that's a bit before my time. So uh, um, I, I've never actually met Bob, Bob Geldof, and uh, um, I'm not sure what he was like, but I can tell you everybody who did work with him talks about what a great guy he was. And is what about that it, review though? You mentioned a review, <laughs> Little Richard yeah. at Besitas. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, that that was one really cool thing too. Going through all the old issues, and Dan and I went through more than twenty five hundred issues uh, to make. We went we went through every issue to to make this book, and you see these ads for these these shows, amazing like you know Led Zeppelin at the Agridome for three dollars, or you know whatever Jimi Hendrix, the the amazing people who came through Vancouver during this period. And how cheap it all was to go see. Did you discover a lot of typos when you were going through stuff? Like, was Dan, your co-author, going, oh, my God, here's a typo. We forgot. <laughs> you mean in the newspaper? Yeah, or in the newspaper. Manuscript? No, in the newspaper. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I, I think there was uh, some, some free and easy editing going on in, in the early days. But, but overall, you know, um, it, it all stands up. It stands up really well. And we are speaking to Doug Sardi, co-author of The Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration. And people can actually visit the actual Genesis 56A Powell of The Georgia Strait. It's still there? <laughs> the, the building is still there. It's all, it's, um, I haven't been by in a while, but it was, I think it was a clothing store. It's in, it's in Gastown. And that's where it all began. Well, it, it actually it, it began uh, um, at, at the, the Cecil Pub. Yes. yes, yes, but but yeah, I mean that was the the big office for a long time. There was another office on on Carroll Street, 
for a while. Um, you know, there's there's been a, a, a number of different incarnations over over the years, but uh, but certainly that that's the office I remember the most when I was a little little kid. And I'm asking you questions, Doug, about the book Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration. But if anybody has any questions, it is 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CATR, and we'll put you on the air and you can ask a question to Doug Sarti. Now, who interviewed Mick Jagger in 67? Were there a lot of freelancers for the Strait? Who interviewed? Who did the work for the Strait? Well, now, here here's the thing. Because there was so much... Um, um, trouble from from city hall and the police and there was a a, a risk of of getting arrested at any time while working at the strait in those days um almost all the earlier articles first couple of years were, were written under a pseudonym so um a lot of these are sort of lost to the sands of time the, the actual people who wrote them and uh would they be anywhere else or were they, were they exclusive to the strait um they may have been uh there's a a Association of Alternative News Weeklies that that shared some articles, um, but I mean, you know, everything that old is is no longer digitized or, or anything. So I, I suspect a lot of them were were um, just at the, at the Strait. Who are the competitors to the Georgia Strait? Like the Georgia Strait versus the Georgia Grape? <laughs> yeah, that that was a, 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 a split off newspaper that that. Um, in 1972, um, there was also the, the Terminal City Express in the in the 70s. Um, were there okay. any like when the street popped up? Were there any real competitors to the street, or did they have it pretty much on their I own? Mean, they pretty much had it had it on their own, and uh, you know there was there was such a big support for the straight from the, the counterculture community. And it was very inclusive. Like, you know, you hear, you're always hearing stories. People just walk in, hey, can I write an article? Can I do this? Do you need some help? And uh, so I think for the longest time, there was no need to, to start another newspaper because, you know, anybody who wanted to be involved could. You mentioned earlier about Mayor Tom Campbell. Had he done raiding before? Like, he raided the offices of the Georgia Strait. Yeah. And was acid ban the first obscenity charge that he had? Um, I believe it w- Or there was, there, was a, um, um, there was some classified ads that were um, that were deemed obscene, and uh, you know there was some trouble over those. There was there was Acid Man with his pantsless. Um, Acid Man is a a, a um, cartoon character, a comic strip that we ran by by Peter Zippel Massey, and he was a pantsless superhero. And uh, so yeah, there was a lot of trouble over that. Um, Had Tom Campbell raided anybody else? Because that's pretty amazing, like getting officers raided by the police. Yeah, not not that I know of. Um, I think I think we sort of uh, he concentrated most of his his uh, anger at the Strait. Now the book is filled with tons of covers from the Georgia Strait. How did you know one of the pictures was Betty Page? How did you know that was <laughs> Betty Page? Because it's amazing. I didn't know it was uh, Betty yeah. Page. Um, I just recognized her, and uh, um, you know, I was a, that was the thing. There was a lot of a lot of covers to go through, and a lot of stuff to figure out. And and like I said, a lot of the the stuff is is done under aliases. So you know, we tried to do as much research as we could, fill in as many blanks as we could, um, but some just just come from from memory. 
And Pierre Trudeau helped the Georgia straight. Pierre Elliott Trudeau, when he was justice minister, helped the straight. I'm I'm not sure. Because didn't the straight come under some litigation? And as justice minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau helped the Georgia straight. You know, I'll have to look into that. I'm I'm not sure about that. Now, speaking of Pierre Elliott Trudeau, the straight also printed the FLQ manifesto. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and that that was another thing that, uh, um, that which both, is pretty the, brazen, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. And the police were, and uh, the RCMP and and the city were not not too thrilled about that. Um, but you know the um, uh, the operating name of the, the actual technical business name of of the Georgia Strait is is the Vancouver Free Press, and that's what what uh, we've always tried to do is is uh, have a free press for Vancouver, print stuff that the the mainstream newspapers wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I mean, things like that, you know, whether it's right or wrong or it's going to make people mad, um, you know, at least the idea was let people decide for themselves. What do you think about the Gastown riot being recreated by Stan Douglas as Abbott and Cordova, (laughs) which you can see at the Woodward's building, the old Woodward's building downtown? Well, you know, it it is a fantastic piece of work that he's done. And the first time I saw it, I stood there looking at it for about 20 minutes and I didn't I didn't really know anything about it or, or, or him. Could you describe the riot and the photo that he recreated? Yeah, well, well, what happened was there was a. um. Um, it, it started out as a, an organ, uh, an event called the Great Gastown Smoke-In, and the idea was everybody come on down to Gastown, we'll smoke some pot, and, uh, you know, try to work towards the legal, legalization of marijuana. Well, the police rode in on horseback and, and started cracking heads, and, and uh, the whole thing turned into a, a police riot pretty quickly. Um, there was a number of, uh, uh, there was an inquest after, which, which, uh, which found that found the police at fault and and uh, uh, so the, so then this work of art uh, this this giant photo mural in the Woodward's building was was done to commemorate it and the first time I saw it I didn't know anything about it I'm trying to figure out is this a real photo from the the day or you know and and it is a recreation it turns out but it's it's very striking amazing. Amazing detail when yes. it's a Stan Douglas recreation, like yeah. everything, like even like I think Rob from Neptune Records were saying they got a couple posters from him to make the street oh, yeah. look realistic. Uh, yeah. How it all worked out, etc. Yeah, yeah. It, it look. I mean, it it looks real. It, it really does. Rocky Mountain Books calls you a special interest book. <laughs> when I went to website, it was like a yeah. special interest. How do you feel about that? I'm I'm happy to be a special interest book. I think that sounds great. I think the Georgia Strait is special and it's interesting. So, so there you go. You had many cartoonists writing for the Georgia Strait, uh, illustrating for the Georgia Strait, yes. including Rob Philbrandt. Yes, who was taken from the Scorder. <laughs> Do you yes. remember that? I, I don't know. Um, well, I, I, I guess he probably, you know, uh, he did a wombat series yes, in I, Discorder and it ended up. Oh, wow. That, oh, that is that is the ringer. Oh. That is the ringer. Hello, <laughs> caller. Wombat. Wombat. Uh, and do do loo do. 
you have any questions for Doug, it is 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Doug is a co-author of Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration. What is this? It's a book, isn't it? It it's, is, it is it's a, a book. It's a giant book, yeah. but it's easy to read because yes. there's lots of pictures <laughs> in a, the book. It's a coffee, Covers. Yeah, it's a coffee table book celebrating 50 years of the Georgia Strait and uh, um, uh, with, with about 130 different covers over, over the years that we've chosen. And, uh, and you went through all the covers. Yes, and you actually picked me for one yes. to be in a book. That's am- thank you. You're welcome. Like, what was it like? You went through two thousand five hundred covers, yes. and then picked out your favorites, and one yes. of them was actually me. Yes. Well, it's. I mean, it's a fantastic cover. I mean, you're you're uh, you're part of Vancouver history, and uh, you know it's got the whole tie-in. It's based on a, a Subhumans album cover, and uh, you know it's just a, a, a great cover. And did Georgia Strait had interesting techniques? I remember, like for Discorder magazine, Discorder had a whole bunch of advertisers, but the Georgia Strait team of advertisers were really jealous of Discorder advertisers, so yeah. they mailed out to the advertisers of Discorder the yeah. contents of Discorder, and oh. the advertisers <laughs> were like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> we're going to advertise in a Georgia Strait." So it always has been kind of like a bit of animosity. Yeah. Yeah. Between the Georgia Strait and Discorder, like yeah. for instance, like you took the name Locomotion. We did it first, uh, and it okay. ended up in the street as Locomotion. Yeah. We had Phil Brandt doing wall, wall wombat in Discorder, yeah. and then you had you know Phil Brandt getting paid. Yeah. I mean, how dare he get paid <laughs> in the Georgia Street? So yeah. I thought, in honor of the tension we have with Discorder, and. The Georgia Street. I would give you an actual issue of Discorder magazine from 1983, Doug. This oh, is for well, you, a gift. Thank you very much. With it's, Joey Shithead yeah, on the cover that. from 1983. This is an original Discorder magazine from 1983. It is for you and the and Georgia Street because you went through a lot of musty yeah, issues. Yeah. And this is from 83, but you went all the way back to like 67 and yours. Yes, yes. Well, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for this. And also... This is- uh, there is a Georgia Strait connection to this. November 83, DOA, Joey Shithead is yeah. on the cover of Discorder. But you had the first, was the first local punk band in like 1978 with DOA? Was DOA the first local punk band on the cover of the Georgia Strait? Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure they, they, they were. Um, because I think we did a Subhumans cover too, but I'm pretty sure DOA was first. That didn't make the book, the Subhumans uh, cover. No. But the, the Nardwar cover yeah, did. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Actually, going through the straight archive, and we are speaking here again to the author, your co-author. Can we give a shout out to your co-author? Yes, for sure. For Dan McLeod, he's he's the founder and publisher of, of the Georgia Strait, and uh, uh, we, we wrote this book together. You are Doug a, Sardi? I am Doug Sardi. And, you know, I wanted to thank you. I realized I'm the first guest that you've had on in your 31st year. Ba-boom. That that is is, amazing. That is pretty cool. That is amazing. (laughs) Well, speaking of the past and people from the past, actually, Mike Usinger, what can I say about Mike Usinger? He's fantastic. What is Mike (laughs) Usinger to the Georgia Strait? He's the music editor. 
He has not been there. As, as, he's been there longer than you, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, um, I think, maybe mid to late 90s he started there. So he's he's our high sheriff there of the, the music section. And and, uh, and I have an actual recording by Mike. This is Mike's band, The Social Outcasts. Wow. And we are going to play a selection of The Social Outcasts this- on CITR. This is fantastic. I've heard stories of this. I didn't know it, it. any of these actually existed anymore. No death like it. The Social Outcasts from 1983 with Mike Usinger on bass, Todd McCluskey <laughs> on vocals. Thank you, Todd, for the CD. That is Mike Usinger. There have been quite a few straight members that have gone on to great music. I guess yes. Bob Galdoff, etc. Uh, yes. But it's also like <laughs> the social outcast. But this yes. is like pre-Georgia Strait, isn't it? Yes. This yeah. is a, so this is no death like it. And I was also going to ask you about the archive that went through to find different stuff. Yes. Is there records? Are there records in the archive? Like okay. actual vinyl records? No, no. All we have are the... Um, um, uh, the the copies of the the issue copies, and then there's there's a few uh, a few other things, but no records. But you know that that actually reminds me that I brought you a host gift because I wanted to thank you for for having me on. And this was something I know you're you're a, a fan of of Canadiana, and so this was something I found in the archives, which I thought you would like to have. Oh, am- amazing! What? A ravine! A ravine <laughs> 8 by 10 This is amazing. He's the impossibleist. The impossibleist. Yes. What can I say about Ravine? He is Vancouver's the great, one of the... You, I yes. interviewed Ravine Did you? years oh, ago. Wow. And who was Ravine? Well, he was... He was <laughs> The man they call Ravine. They used to have these TV ads. He would do this this hypnotic stage show, and he'd, you know he'd bring people up on stage, hypnotize them to cure them from smoking, or make them act like a chicken, or all kinds of things. And uh, he actually has a hall, uh, a star of fame on Granville Street. I remember once I interviewed him, and he said, yeah. "You will not take." You will leave on the lens cap because I want to interview him with actual video. You will leave on the lens cap. You will leave on the lens cap. But I took off the lens yeah, cap. Yeah, so it didn't, his hypnotism but didn't work. But thank you, Doug. This You're is an welcome. original yes. Ravine 8x10 yep. from the Georgia Strait Archives. Yes. Um, how much of the archives has been pillaged or stolen? Because there must have been some stuff missing, right? Well, or I know how much has been sold off? There's, I know they've, they've really pretty much the only thing down there now is. The, the newspapers because we, we've been through a number of, of uh, moves we've thinned stuff out things have been digitized so there, there's really not much anything not much of anything left except for the papers themselves so how hard was it to find this ravine eight by ten I just came across it in a, in a box with some papers and uh, I didn't I don't know how it got slipped in there so I'm like I know I know somebody who'd like that oh that's <laughs> I, I, it's like amazing you've kept this eight by ten of ravine and checked out other important punk artifacts yeah. but you've kept this to give to me thank you so much You're I really appreciate that and right now we're gonna cut to the social uh, what can I say about Mike Usinger what can I say about the Georgia Strait music writer Mike Usinger this is his band yeah. from 1983 but what can you say about Mike Usinger? Mike uh, Mike Usinger is Usinger <laughs> is uh, he's he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and he's he's fantastic. He's funny. He's a great editor, and uh, we're we're very lucky to have him. And here's Mike in 1983 on base with no death like it.
And you're still listening to Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And that there was the social outcast with No Death Like It, My Brain Hurts, and Mr. Anarchy featuring Mike Usinger on bass from the Georgia Strait. And we have again Doug Sardi, author of... The Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration. Live on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. And if anybody has any questions about the Georgia Strait or, well, the, what is your expert? Or scooters. It is 604-822-247, 604-822-CITR. And I was also curious about the other people in the book. Like, for yes. instance, you mentioned Mike Harcourt. Yes, 
you reached out to Mike Harcourt and he wrote about the Georgia Strait. No problem. Fantastic. Yeah, he he was he was very much into it. And I mean, he's he's this towering figure in in Vancouver history. Uh, you know, he was mayor of Vancouver, he was premier of the province, and and you know. Just a fantastically nice guy. And you also reached out to Paul Watson and Biff Naked. Yes. And it was it was amazing. I um you know, we didn't have a contact Paul Paul Watson used to work for the Strait and he wrote uh for a number of years for the Strait and um you know, before he started Sea Shepherd. Uh we'd lost touch with him though, and so I just sent an email to the Sea Shepherd info um website in new york this kind of dead drop and within two hours he wrote me back he's like i'm totally into it let's do it and and uh and biff she was just fantastic she was she was so excited to do it it, it really was wonderful to work with all these people she loved straight didn't she yes yes she did she was, she was very excited i mentioned all the times that she was on the cover yeah. is there a rule you're only allowed to be on the cover once no no there's no there's there's no official rule but uh I think as as long as you can keep moving papers out the door, uh, it's it's okay. <laughs> now, Mike Harcourt also mentioned he was writing or actually working for the Kool Aid House. Yes, the Kool Aid, and we have actually a benefit album that was put yeah. out by Regenerator Records, reissued the yeah. Kool Aid benefit album. Yeah, and I thought I would play a tight little bit of Spring. Bring yourself down, and this was Mike Harcourt. Well, he's not honest, but this is what Mike Harcourt would have heard. What do you? He would have heard this. Yes, I'm. I'm sure he did. Yeah. In 1970, yeah. from the Kool Aid Benefit album, this is Spring with "Bring Yourself Down," as reissued by Regenerator Records. My friend actually got a whole bunch of copies of the original Kool Aid yeah. Benefit album and put an ad in Goldmine, a thousand bucks each, <laughs> and didn't get any takers. Oh. <laughs> uh, but years later, you can pick up this, the Kool-Aid Benefit album. And this is an actual house that Mike worked at, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, they it was, uh, you know, it, it, it benefited people. And, um, um, you know, he, he helped them out with that, with, with legal help. And here is Spring with Bring Yourself Down. Together, I don't want no messing around. I don't want no high stone talking out here. Just want some down to earth, a lady flying far too high. Won't do. You don't need, no, you don't need to dress fine. Don't need no fancy dressing if you're gonna be mine.
And you're still listening to Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. If you have any questions on history of the Georgia Strait, phone now, 604-822-2487, 604-822-CITR, and Doug Sarty will answer them. Right, Doug? <laughs> That's right. You know, it's, it's interesting you got this Kool-Aid... Um yeah, why uh, do we play thing. that? Why do we play that? Well, Kool-Aid was, was uh, uh, the Georgia Strait was, was very involved with Kool-Aid, which was, uh, um, you know, a, a counterculture aid organization in the, in the late 60s and early 70s. And the Georgia Strait did a, a lot of outreach for, for things like that, um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good works in the early days. And this, um, um, uh, this benefit concert here, this, this reminds me there was another one because um, like we talked about earlier, there was, there was a lot of uh, uh, police repression and, and, and civic repression. Um, so we had a legal defense fund at the Strait, and Phil Oaks came out and, and did a benefit, Phil Oaks and, and Allen Ginsberg. And there's actually a, an album of that, um, and they, it was at the, the Peony Gardens, and it's called Then and Now uh, Live. And that, that exists out, out there somewhere. I haven't, I haven't seen a copy, though, but... Uh, and there's, I think, Allen Ginsberg plays tambourine on it. And he that mentioned the Strait in well, the intro. It, it was well, I haven't heard the album, but the ben, the the concert was a benefit for the Strait. So. And there's an album. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And uh, yeah, so so Phil Oaks, and then backed up by Allen Ginsberg. So that's pretty fantastic. And that particular track we heard was from the Kool Aid Benefit album, and it was Spring. A bit of it with "Bring Yourself Down to Earth, Love and Blues, Baby." <laughs> Very that is funky. A full explanation of the song. So as I mentioned, this is the second book on the Georgia Strait. Yes. The second book. Uh, why not history like the last book? Why not like the last book? Well, because the last book had, had already been done and it had covered a lot of that. And I think, you know, we just decided we wanted to do a visual. Or why not update? Like to take the contents of that book and spread it over uh, yeah. this book. Well, we, we, the, the idea from the beginning was to do a very visual thing and uh, do something with the covers. And it did, uh, you know, once we got in there, um, you know, it, I'll tell you, it's it was a it was a very enjoyable job because it's also tough. You have like this embarrassment of riches, of you know, twenty five hundred different covers. The the problem is not what to put in the book, but to leave out because there's so much, uh, so many great covers. And again, thank you for including me. <laughs> In the list. You're welcome. I appreciate it. For the covers, you had R. Crumb do a cover. Yes. Was it exclusive? Did you have to ask the artist the questions, you know, to reprint the covers? Yeah. Did people turn you down? I'm, I'm not sure about the particulars of the R. Crumb cover. Um, you know, that, that was, again, that, that one's a little before my time, and, and uh, the, the, the record keeping is, is, uh, isn't there on that one, but... Uh, you know, I mean, the 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 Strait was was pretty famous throughout the the North American counterculture, and uh, it was one of the earliest uh, of the papers. So, you know, wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be surprised if he did that specially for us. Did you choose exclusive pictures over promo pics? Because there are a few promo pics towards the later end of the Strait. Yeah, I want to say like towards the later end of the book. <laughs> yeah, well, well, f- for sure. I mean, I. When Dan and I were looking at the covers, we were trying to find ones that were that were visually, um, you know, very creative, uh, ones that were historically important, and uh, uh, ones that maybe told a story about either the counterculture or Vancouver or or the Strait. 
So, uh, you know, for the most part in the early days, these are, you know, these sort of psychedelic uh, illustrations that, that uh, um, reflect the times. But in other times, yeah, you know, there are a few in there that are that are publicity stills, but they they speak to to some change in in you know the culture. Or, but we did try to get get the most uh, attractive ones that we could. There are amazing cartoons in the book as well. The Freak Brothers, yeah. Harold Head. What can I say about Harold Head? Rand Holmes. It's amazing the comics that he did, like the cocaine cover. Could uh, yes. you describe that? Uh, yeah. Like, and you put a, a book of his stuff. Uh, a there, comic there, book? There, there, yes, there's. Yeah, I mean, well, well, Rand Holmes w- was involved with us for a long time and and did a lot of stuff. And you know that that was one of the things with going through the covers. There's this golden period of maybe 1974, 1975, where Rand did all these amazing covers. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he has more covers in there than anyone else, just just because they're fantastic. There's the cocaine cover. There's a wreck beach cover. There's a a, a Greenpeace cover. Um, there's this a, nudity, nudity. There's a there's a VCon cover. There's I mean there's all this this kind of stuff. And people can see him every day on the street, right? Yes, yes. The Wax Tree character, right? That's yeah, on the yeah. side of your boxes, yes, right? Uh, yep, that's true. Yeah, well, yeah. Our Wax Tree, our our, um, our our mascot character. He's he was designed by Rand Holmes, and uh, you know he it was, he just Rand created these great comics within the paper, but also, you know, some of the greatest covers that, that we've ever published. Bill Griffith, Zippy to Pinhead. Uh, yeah. Matt yeah. Groening, I was curious, he has been, like, drawing for years, and, like, he was in, like, 250 weeklies. Uh, yes. Was he discovered through the street, or was he discovered, and then the street was one of the magazines that he was in? Well, he was he was syndicated pretty early with Life in Hell, and um, we were one of the first to have it, but we weren't we weren't the only ones. So, like, did the producer pick up the issue of the Straight <laughs> and say, "I want this guy"? Was it the Straight? You don't know. I I'd like to hope so. <laughs> and the Mark Pilon covers were yes. amazing too. Yes, Mark's Mark's done a number of amazing covers, and the cover yeah. of your book, Bob Massey. Yes, yeah. It's it's been we've had so many amazing uh, illustrators and there's some Rod Philbrandt covers in there too, and uh, uh, illustrations. And now, why didn't the Georgia Strait become Rolling Stone? Like, how come it didn't become bigger than it was? Well, or you know, did it have the opportunity? Yeah, I mean, probably opportunity has something to do with it. Uh, location, I mean, Rolling Stones in in L.A. They've got. Uh, or San Fran. Uh, or, or, yeah, yeah. Sa- San Fran. And, and uh, so, I mean, we, you know, we were always concentrating on, on Vancouver, or at least the Vancouver aspects of everything, bands coming to town, protests going on here. Um, I'm sure we'd be happy to be Rolling Stone, but, uh, you know, it didn't, uh, um, um, you know, it's, it's been great. Like how big did the straight get? Are the stories of like excessive trips involving <laughs> cocaine to the Bahamas, you know, et cetera, in the seventies or whatever? Yeah, no, I've, I haven't heard anything ab- about that, but uh, uh, certainly not on that level. And then you also had rest in peace, Dave Watson, write for you. He was amazing. Yes, yes. Dave Watson was an amazing human being, and he was he was just so nice. And you know, he would write about this tech stuff, which. Most of the time, I didn't know what he was talking about or what the thing even was, but I would always read his column because he, he just had this gift as a writer where he made it interesting, and it didn't matter what he was writing about. It was You would read it because he was, he was so great, and just such a nice guy, too. 
At UBC, what do you remember about the street at UBC? Between 86 and 89, you were here at UBC. It was banned. There was no street allowed at UBC. See, no, I don't, I don't remember that. Because the UBC newspaper sold the ads at UBC, oh, okay. so they didn't allow the street on campus. No yeah. street allowed. Wow. Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And it, but I mean, I always had the straight in those those years. I must have just picked it up somewhere downtown else. when you came uh, yeah. out. But there was no straight yeah. on campus. I remember people at CITR would like fight over it because yeah. it was like the gig listings for Vancouver. Yeah, but yeah. they weren't at UBC. Yeah. Oh wow, that's really something. Because completely banned. <laughs> yeah. Has the straight been banned from other locations? Well, I mean, there's there's been uh, you know like 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 we talked about earlier. There's always police harassment and. Uh, um, you know, whole cities tried to, to you know, like um, municipality, the New Westminster. I know there was a lot of trouble there in the early days trying to get the straight in. But uh, as far as outright bans like, like the UBC one, no, I'm not familiar with those. Speaking of UBC, here is a speech by Baba Ram Das. Yes. What can you say about Baba Ram Das? <laughs> well, I have to admit, I had never heard of Baba Ram Das before doing the research for this book. But, uh, um, you know, he's one of these sort of new age guys. I think he had been a, a Harvard or Yale professor, got turned on with uh, uh, maybe Timothy Leary. or Richard Alpert. Richard, he helped okay. develop LSD. Yes, yes. And uh, so then he went around doing these uh, um, these sort of motivational, inspirational speeches and, and uh, you know, for, for money. And uh, um, the, the one story we have about him is is quite funny. He came to the the sub ballroom and gave a speech there. It's probably like 1971 or something. And I, I think it was like three dollars to get in. And it's you know the the writer is all oh, man. He's like, how can I expand my consciousness if I have to spend all my money? And you know so. And we have an excerpt from that actual <laughs> presentation of Baba Ramdas oh, Ramdas wow. <laughs> Richard Albert live at UBC. Now, may not be exactly when, but let's yeah. think that it was. Recorded in Vancouver, released yeah. in 69 on Rada Records out of Burnaby. This is Baba Ram Das. <laughs> so when you are loving, and the game again, you see, is you got to love yourself so much that you can be loved. Because it's, this, it's the sea of love. When you say, I am in love, it's like being in a tub. Come on into love. extraordinary place you get because once you get beyond once you see your personality even is merely like the fenders on the Chevrolet Corvair you understand that all of the melodrama of the neurosis and oh such problem wow as it turned out Doug and again we're <laughs> speaking here to Doug Sardi author of the Georgia Strait a 50th anniversary celebration a book I played the wrong side. So I'm going to turn <laughs> over the record, and we're going to hear a bit of this. You are striking by his voice, yes, right? Yes, yes. It was not what I expected his voice So we're going to turn like. over, but as I turn over the record, maybe you can see a bit about you at UBC. Yes. Now, so I, I graduated from, from UBC in 1989, and, uh, you know, it's funny, Nardwar. I was looking at, uh, I was reading an old interview with you, and uh, you mentioned, um, doing a term paper for a history class here at UBC on the JFK assassination. Now, I also did, and so that would have been about 1987, 88. I remember I was in a class with Paul Krauss, who uh, he, did, he had American history 
uh, class here, and he's, he's still teaching here. And so I did a paper on, uh, on what they call CE399, the, the magic bullet, and uh, the magic bullet theory. So uh, um, what, what was your JFK uh, that is amazing. Well, actually, I listen to CITR, the show Radio Free America, uh, yes. which is on Sunday nights. And so I just transcribed what was on CITR oh, and yeah. handed it in. Yes. And I think I played hacky sack as well. And I graduated. <laughs> so this is Baba Ramdas in 1969 at UBC in a sub ball room. The wild geese do not intend to cast their reflection. The water has no mind to receive their image. If I could sing or play an instrument for you, I would sing and play an instrument for you. If I could dance for you, I would dance for you. If I could paint for you, I would paint for you. But my thing is words. Words. But the problem about words is that you may listen to them. And that would be a mistake. For all I am doing is painting with words. And the message that is being sent is nonverbal. Anything you write down in a notebook to take home, to think about, forget it. For in fact, I'm not going to say anything that you don't know already. Baba Ram Das. What do you think? <laughs> Well, it's it's pretty fantastic. He's he has almost a, a Bobby Kennedy cadence to his voice, and uh, but uh, still, I, I imagine some being in an altered state of mind may help. Uh, having seen that show in 1969 <laughs> at the Sub Ballroom on Rada Records out of Burnaby, an amazing Doug, and we're speaking to Doug Sardi, author of <laughs> the D- Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary co-author. celebration co-author. Yes, with with Dan McLeod. You also graduated via JFK. Amazing. What did you get on that assignment? I was curious. Because I, I played hacky sack. I don't know what I got, but I played yeah. hacky sack. And, but I was curious. What did you get? I, I think it was either a C plus or a B. I had the, the gentleman C in a, a number of courses. Amazing. <laughs> Terminal City also was a magazine, too. It turned out later to magazine, to be a magazine. Yes. Remember, that yeah. was actually an alternative name for the street, wasn't it? No, well, there was a um, there was a Terminal City Express that came out in the like nineteen seventy three or seventy four, which was was sort of a competitor of the Strait. Um, I think it lasted about six months or or maybe a little longer. And then, but then maybe two thousand and two, two thousand and three, there was another. Uh, it was just called the Terminal City, which which was another competitor. And I think that one might have lasted a little longer, but. Uh, um, you know, same sort of uh, arts and entertainment type newspaper. Who are the competitors now to the street? 
aside from the internet? <laughs> well, I think the internet's the main one, and, and that's why we've, we've expanded our online uh, presence there. We have lots of stuff on our website which can't fit in the newspaper. Um, but as far as, as print, we're really the only ones who do what we do here in Vancouver. Um, you know, we try to we try to offer a little bit of we have uh, um, you know co- news commentary. We do arts. Um, you know what's going on at City Hall. We've got music. We've got movies. A little bit of everything, but always always with that that sort of uh, idea of social progress. Trivia for the Strait. Hank Harrison wrote for the Strait. That's Courtney Love's yes, dad. Yes, that's right. He is in a book. Yes. <laughs> what do you call him? A grunge icons father i i guess yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and ted bundy went into oil can harry's yes that's, that's could you explain that's, that that's the story that was on a um, an old club oil can yes harry's. yes on thurlow street where um oh geez i'm not no i'm not sure what was there now but i think there was mcdonald's there for a number of years thurlow and alberni right around there and so so that was the 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 story that uh when ted bundy was a, a student at university of washington he used to come up and and uh and go in uh, um, oil can Harry's. And I know they looked at him for some missing people in Vancouver, but uh, but nothing ever ever matched up. And we just got a tweet here also from Mark Pilon. <laughs> Hello, oh, Mark. All right, hey Mark. A shout out to Mark. We <laughs> mentioned. Oh, uh, what can see about Mark? Because Mark's covers were amazing, yes. aren't they? I was looking through the book. And I was like, who did that? That's Mark. Yes, that's amazing. Yes, yes. Mark and Mark did an, a number of amazing illustrations inside the paper too he he, he was a, a long time uh contributor there and 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 staff member and also a scooterist and uh and a gallery uh, member uh, yeah. gallery owner <laughs> yes yes for the georgia Strait, the boston phoenix is gone the rocket yes. is gone like all yeah. these alternative weeklies yeah. are gone the Strait. Is it part of an elite club? It is, isn't it? Like, well, there aren't many alternative weeklies left. And isn't Georgia Strait one of the only indie alternative weeklies? Yeah. Not owned by a giant corporation. Yeah, that, that's right. We're still family-owned uh, after, after all this time. You know, we were, we were one of the first alternative news weeklies, and we're, we're still here. And, uh, you know, there's, there's still plenty of work to be done out there. Did the real estate boom help or hurt the Georgia Strait? Well, I think it, it certainly helped everybody or, or a lot of people in, in B.C. And I know we, we saw a lot of advertising from it when, uh, um, um, you know, when it, when it was really going strong, a lot of construction. So, uh, you know, in that sense, it helped us. What changes have there been in advertising over the decades, like from bongs <laughs> to Kingsway condos? Yeah, well, there's there's certainly uh, when. When you look at the the early straits, you know there there was a, a lot of classifieds, a lot of people um, advertising things that that couldn't be advertised anywhere else. There was there, um, um, you know, a lot of these these sort of dating sites. There was a lot of music. Music was a really big thing. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of gig listings, a lot of concert um, ads, and it was amazing. When you see just the, the people who went through Vancouver and the, 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 the bands and the, and the entertainers who went through in the late 60s, early 70s, it was just this, this amazing time and so cheap to, to see them. Too. But now promoters don't have to take an ad out because no. they're going to sell on advance on Facebook, etc. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I've been picking up the Georgia Strait, me and a buddy have, and always analyzing how many pages is the Strait. Yeah. And 
you were down to 32 at one point. 32 pages. Well, that, but that's common at, at but certain it's so times thin. of the year. It's yeah. so thin, like 32. It yeah. didn't used to ever be 32. Well, a after Christmas, it's always small, and that those have always. But been even ours, before uh, Christmas, yeah. it's like really thin. Yeah, well, that's because we've expanded our, our website too. So there's a, you know, it's kind of. It scares me though. Thirty-two pages. Ouch. Well, I don't think you need you need to be scared. There, I think the always, street is not going away. It's not. No. So thirty-two pages are really forty-eight because yeah. some of the money is in the web. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's the the. The straight, there'll always be a place for the print edition in Vancouver, uh, but there's also we've grown to to have the the, the web, too, our website. What about the straight being out Wednesday now? Because it used to be it'll be only out on Thursday, uh, right. but now it's out Wednesday night. Well, that's to give promoters. Uh, because a, a big a big part of our business has always been, you know, like gigs and shows happening on the weekends. So this gives promoters an extra day to to get the word out about whatever's happening. What alt weeklies are left? Like who is older than a straight? Well, Rolling Stone is older by a couple of months, I believe, and I I think that may be it. I think I think we're the second oldest now. What about alternative weeklies? There aren't many left. No. Um, there's well, it's certainly um, like it's, in Toronto, uh, there is now magazine, and they yeah. have like tons of filth in yeah. the back, <laughs> which is sure the straight still has filth. Thank you. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, first of all, we like to think of them as as valued customer, valued valued advertisers, and uh, um, you know, I mean, it's just it's just another reflection of of the internet like more people have gone on the internet there's a there's a, a number of places on the internet that are doing the job that that uh, um, alternative weeklies used to do and so that's why we've expanded our our reach there it's, it's amazing they're still going because in every town there used to be an alternative weekly but yeah. now there isn't a lot of alternative weeklies i remember the band canned ham Ham was on the cover of the Montreal Mirror, but he said it was actually a disadvantage. Yeah. But being on the cover of the straight, yeah. that meant your gig would sell out, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, for like, sure. I, remember, yeah. I was on the cover. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for making my gig a success. But actually, Ham said being on the cover of the Montreal Mirror yeah. was actually a disadvantage because comedian Neil Hamburger told him, then yeah. people see what you look like, and then that gives them a reason not to go to the gig. Bam, boom. Yeah. What do you think about the cover? Well, I, th I think, do you think that? No, I mean, I, I think I think being on the cover of the straight is is a great thing, and it, and it's a boon to any musician or or you know artist or or, or movie, and you know, um, in her uh, chapter uh, introduction that she wrote, Biff Naked talks about what a big deal it was for her to be on the, the cover of the straight. She was on uh, in two thousand and one, and she had been on the Tonight Show, and she said for her. Being on the cover of the straight was bigger than being on the Tonight Show, and so that that was really nice to hear and give you an idea of the way the way people feel. What about the longtime employees at the Georgia Strait, like Steve Newton? Oh, the Newt, yeah, <laughs> the the Newt's great. Is he the longest? Well, well, Dan has has been oh, there yeah. fr from the beginning, but as far aside as aside from Dan, yeah, your co-author, and again, who are yes. you? <laughs> My name is Doug Sardi, and uh, I'm co-author of the Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary uh, celebration, uh, a new coffee table book of. Georgia so Strait Steve Coast. Newton has been there a long time. Yes, yeah. Mike Campbell, who does distro. 
Yeah, he's a guy that does distro. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know him, but uh, um, how many people don't you know at the street? <laughs> how many people are there at the street now? Well, I think there's, I think there's about about forty or fifty in the office. Um, um, you know, we have we have the editorial department, we have the sales department, we have production and accounting, and and uh, you know, so it takes a lot of people to, to, to put out a newspaper every week. Plus, then there's the uh, the distribution. Um, staff who actually take it out and uh, get it in the boxes and, and, and get it out to the stores and stuff. And Gordon Campbell loved the Georgia Strait and then <laughs> turned around and taxed the Georgia Strait. Could you explain about that? Well, I think we've always had a prick, prickly relationship with, with Gordon Campbell, and he did he did give us the... Uh, the mayor the, of Vancouver, the, the, the premier of BC. Yes, when, when he was mayor of uh, Vancouver, I think it was our 25th or 30th anniversary, he proclaimed it Georgia Strait Day. But then once uh, he became leader of the Liberal Party and, and the, the B.C. Liberals and, and became premier, I, you know, I don't think he uh, appreciated us keeping such a close watch on everything they were doing. It didn't mean anything to him that he had given you a day. No, no, no. He was, he was able to walk that back pretty quickly. I feel that, too. Like when I was in hospital in the 90s, I remember getting a get-well card from David Lee Roth. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> David Lee Roth cares. So he yeah. came to Vancouver, and yeah. I talked to his publicist, and I yeah. said, yes, I was that desperate. I said, he even sent me a get-well card when yeah. I was in the hospital. And the publicist said, that didn't mean anything. Oh. And I was like, ah! Oh. Oh, uh, but heartbreaking. But I guess the same <laughs> thing happened with you in a straight, right? Yes. It didn't mean anything. You had the day, the Georgia straight day. It was still celebrated. Yes, yes. And, and you know, actually, last year, um, last May was our, was our 50th anniversary. Um, and it was... Um, uh, we had Georgia Strait Day again, and uh, Mayor Robertson um, proclaimed it uh, uh, Georgia Strait Day. But you were busy reviewing for the love of Spock? Uh, I may have been, yes. You love Spock. <laughs> was that a good I, movie? I, it, well, it was, it was a good, good documentary. Um, you know, I, I enjoy Star Trek. I think that one's interesting because I think that's the best headline I ever wrote. In, uh, in my career as a, a journalist, um, the headline was uh, New, Sp- New Trek Doc Grok's Spock. So that was, that was my favorite. And you are again Doug? Doug Sardi. Co-author of... The Georgia Strait, a 50th anniversary celebration. And we're going to end right now by giving away... A copy of the book. All right. What are people going to win if they win? If they phone 604-822-2487, 604-822-CITR, what are they going to win? They're going to win a fabulous autographed copy of, of the a beautiful coffee table book with 50 years of, of vibrant, beautiful Georgia Strait covers and lots of illuminating text to go along with it. We're going to end right now with some Bill Bissett. He has mentioned nice. in your book. Uh, yes. What can you say about Bill Bissett? Oh, well, he's 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 been involved in with with the straight from from the beginning, and and uh, we actually have a, a cover uh, of him, a very striking cover of him in face paint is is uh, is in the book. He was like a poet too. Yes, yes. And we are going to hear actually a whole bunch of Bill Bissett track number two and three of A.O. Ba, recorded at UBC School of Music <laughs> in 1968. Wow. And the street started in 67. Yes. So around the time of the street uh, yeah. by Wayne Carr. This yeah. is Bill 
abyss it. So again, if anybody wants to win this entire book, this entire, this yeah. thick not, book. Not just part of it, but the whole but thing. But actually, what is the difference in case somebody might have the old book? What is the difference between the old book and the new book? This is full color, very visual. It's all new material. If if you read the old one, um, you know, I don't think there's, there's anything that's, that's uh that was covered in that book. So it's all new material, all covers. There are about 130 cover images in there and uh, um, some really good copy to go along and put everything in context. Well, so thank you very much for coming out, Doug, to the Nardwar to Human Serviette <laughs> radio show. Thank you for rating the straight archives for a rav- <laughs> a actual Ravine 8x10. And this is pretty rare because rest in peace, Ravine. Yes. People, yes. he is an impossibilist, but he has actually passed away. Yes. Or, so, or so he'd have you think. And he has quite a baboom. Well, actually, there is a son of Ravine. I think there is yes. a son of Isn't yes. there a son of yeah, Ravine? I think, yeah, I, I believe so. And he's, he's doing uh, an act now. But this is amazing. I could put it in my <laughs> Ravine record, but I have the actual 8 by 10 glossy. I really appreciate yeah. that. So why should people care about the Georgia Strait? Why should people care? Well, first off, the Georgia Strait cares about people. And, you know, from, from our very beginning, we've, we've worked with the social contest, conscience. We've, we've uh, made an effort to bring, bring out the, the issues and stories that are important to people. Um, and to, to do the right thing and, and work towards social justice. And right now, we're going to play a bit of Bill Bissett, recorded live at the UBC School of Music in 1968. And if you want to win Doug's book, 604-822-2487, 604-822-CITR, 604-UBC-CITR. Come to CITR Monday to Friday, business hours, and pick it up if you want to win it. So again, here is Bill Bissett from 1968. Well, thanks so much, Doug. Keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> thank you, Nordor, and thank you for the for the copy of the Discord, and I really appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you for coming up to CITR Radio and Doot Doot Doot. Doot Doot.
burning Mr. Fire is that the heart to saw the people is that come is the birds is a bird sa 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 is the scene see ya is the scene I see ya is the birds is the coming is that too far with that is that is that too far with is that is that too far with the heart is the birds are some coming is that too far the heart is the he is the he is the he is the he is the she is the she is the he 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 is the she is the she is the he is the he is the she is the is the is the is the is the come 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 is the he is the she is the come. An ode to D.A. Levy, an ode to D.A. Levy, an ode to D.A. Levy is an ode to D.A. Levy is an ode to D.A. Levy. This is an ode to D.A. Levy. This is an ode to D.A. Levy. This is an ode to his gentle beard, is an ode to Levy, an ode to love. This is an ode to his true eyes. We holding true eyes is an ode to D.A. Levy. The coffee shop owners take care of my son. This is a hard one. This is an ode to D.A. Levy, his gentle beard. The sun is glowing, the grass is high and green, and I'll sing you of the little girl with her dolly. Down by the willow breath, the sun is hot, the mountain blue, the earth is true. And turning under you, this is an ode to D.A. Levy. He moves out from the library into your sleep, into the night, into the secret known, all over the world, high worlds within worlds, light on. Or not the little girl with her dollies down by the bright glade of river. Is green, the sky is pink, the earth of brown. A turning high underfoot up your mountain, down your valley, she's singing along, clap, 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 clap. Clap, 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 your hand is a fish, is a swimming upstream. We all got to move you upstream. D.A. Levy, praise him, stay with him. We are all with him. There is much to laugh about. We are much to laugh about. We are the night's eyes, the bright eyes. D.A. Levy's eyes are everywhere. You better believe it now. Laughter is so sweet. Clapping your hands is so sweet. Praising D.A. Levy is so sweet to the little girl with her dolly down by the willow flow. The leaf is sweet to her. Yeah. 